Well, praise God. You ready for a time in the Word this morning? Father, we thank you for your time of worship this morning. We thank you for your presence that's already invaded our lives and invaded this place. That your word said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And so, Father, we thank you that you're present with us. You're here to touch our hearts, to touch our minds, to give us wisdom right now. And so we ask for revelation knowledge in the name of Jesus right now. And we receive it liberally. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, hallelujah. hallelujah. Woo. I'm already having a good time. And I got here this morning, I couldn't sing, and then I got to sing. So you just got to believe, as we've been talking about, the laws of God are at work on your behalf. And we, we already talked about the law of God in week number one, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. Don't put up with sickness. Don't put up with disease. It may come, but you tell it to go. And I don't ever let no sickness, no disease keep me from worshiping my God because He's worthy of it all in every situation. And so we're continuing on in our series on the laws of God. And welcome to you who are watching via the internet this morning. And uh, we just thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible, grab a notepad and join in just like the rest of us. We're going to talk about the laws of God again. And we are now on week number six on this. So I don't think I need to reiterate that we're not talking about the do good, get goods, do bad, get bad type of laws. We're talking about the laws of God that are non-negotiable statements of fact that God said, this is how it is, and you don't get an option in whether or not it's right or not. Come on. They are statements of fact. They weren't open to your opinion. It's not open to your negotiation. This is how God says it is. And so our job as Christians is to not put ourselves in opposition to those things. If God said it's one way, you say it's that way too. Don't use your faith in a negative fashion against God. You realize your faith works both ways. You can believe for good or you can believe for bad and a man will get what he believes for. Nothing more, nothing less. Come on. Our life that we live is a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. Not have moments, they shall have live. Your faith is always at work. Come on. Just what's it at work on? Is it at work for your good and for your blessing and for his glory? Or is it for your complaints and for your whining and for your negativity? Come on, your faith will work whether you want it to or not. It's set on go and it continues to go. It'll believe whatever you tell it to believe. Come on. So we're talking about the laws of God. Week one was uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I feel like we've beaten that like an old donkey, so we don't need to go over it anymore. Week number two, we were talking about law of God number two, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one. Everyone say this one. We're not talking about other kinds. He's telling you this one, this is the way, this one will be blessed in what he does. The perfect law of liberty, when I look into it, meaning it's, it's not going to stand up and force you to look at it. You look into it. You know, whenever you seek, you find with God. Because that's what his word said. Jesus said it. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Those are just statements. When you do it, it happens. And so here he says, the one that will be blessed in what he does is the one who who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. 
Not occasionally. We continue it. We live a life being set free by the perfect law of liberty. Now, when we talk about the perfect law of liberty, we've been making the connection to it that he's talking about his word. It's the perfect law that sets you free. And you can tell whether the word is being misapplied in your life if it's not making, bringing you free from things. People will use the word to justify to stay in their garbage and in their bondage. No, no, the word of God is there to set you free. And we're not just talking about the written word of God or the logos of God. It also applies to the rhema of God. Speak words to your heart and they will set you free when you continue in them. And you will be blessed in what you do. And there seems to be this fight within Christianity to make it a word or to make it all about what the Holy Spirit says to you. It's not one or the other, it's both. He rhemed his word so that it could be logos, so it could be written down, so that you can then take that written word, put it on your mouth, and speak it out as a rhema word in your life. The word of God is just as good in your mouth as it was in his mouth. And so when we look into the perfect law of liberty, it's not just all the written word or all the spirit of God, it's both. And they always agree. You know, I've seen several times in the last few weeks uh, people making statements online saying, well, I don't need the Word anymore. I've got the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that the early church didn't have the Bible? Well, actually, they did. It was being written and spoken in their lives. And this is what Peter, the Apostle Peter, bold Peter, who was pretty brash and rash, he had some things to say about Paul, and him and Paul didn't always get along. And this is what he said. He said, and consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. That's a good statement. It's not really connected to what we're going to talk about, but he said, consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. I'm so glad he's patient. I'm so glad he will suffer my stupidity long and that it will still speak salvation to me even when I've been stubborn as a mule. (laughs) Come on. The long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also... It's funny that that Peter talks about long-suffering and then connects it to Paul because him and Paul had some long-suffering between the two of them. Paul called him out for being a hypocrite. Come on, we're talking about Peter, the rock. Paul called him out and said, Peter, you are a hypocrite. You tell them to do it one way and then you do it another way. It's either by grace or it's not. It's not both. And so he says, as also our brother, beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, he's written to you, as also in all his epistles, the word epistle means living words, his letters that he was writing to the different churches were living words, filled with rhema words from God to become the written word. And he says, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand. (laughs) Come on, this is Peter talking. He's like, man, even when Paul writes, I I lived with Jesus. I walked with Jesus for three years, and I'm still like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, Paul had some great revelation from God. And it says, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of of the scriptures so peter referred to paul's letters as the scriptures 
And so if we say, well, they didn't have the Bible, yes, they did. It was being lived out and spoken out and written before their eyes. And Paul would send them letters, and that is the word of God to them. And he would say to them, okay, Galatians, you take this letter also to the church at Laodicea. They got to read that one too. They were being passed around very early on. And Peter considered them just as valuable and just as God-ordained as the rest of the scriptures they did have at that time. So, because of that, because of that, Peter then says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. So Peter's saying, don't be like those people saying, well, we don't need the word. We can do whatever we want because the Holy Spirit will lead us. No, he will never violate the word because he inspired the word. The word and the spirit agree. So Peter says, instead of being pulled aside by all these people who are saying, yeah, but, he says, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so the word and the spirit, they always agree and they will not violate each other because the Holy Spirit inspires both. And if what you think the Holy Spirit has told you violates what the Word has said, it wasn't from the Holy Spirit. Come on, I've heard people say lots of stupid things. We had one person stand up one time and said, well, the Holy Spirit has told me that I'm not supposed to give anymore or allowed to give any at all. He said, it's just not His way. Well, that violates the Word. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Come on. It says, as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. The Holy Spirit's going to violate himself? No, he won't. And he won't do it about your healing. He won't do it about your salvation. He won't do it about the way you should live and the way you should walk. He doesn't violate his word. They agree. And here in John, 1 John chapter 5, last week we were in 1 John 4, but if we move one chapter forward, it says this in verse 6, it is the Holy Spirit who bears witness or brings confirmation because the Holy Spirit is the truth. Okay, Pastor Jordan, that's the evidence then for we should only listen to the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus prayed in John 17, 17 when he's talking about the, the, his death, burial, and resurrection and what would happen to the church after. He said to God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So which one it is? It's both. Because they won't violate each other. If we go back to 1 John 5, verse 7 says, so there's three witnesses in heaven. The Father the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. The Word. Who is it talking about? Jesus. John said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He was full of grace, and He was full of truth. And so Jesus was full of truth, the Holy Spirit is full of truth, the Word is full of truth, and they are one. They agree. And it says there are three witnesses on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree, they are in unison, and their testimony coincides. And so the Holy Spirit will not violate the Word of God because He agrees with it. Amen? So if you don't know what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, the Word has the general will of God for you. You are to be blessed. You are to be healthy. You are made to be prosperous. You are to have a hope and a future. And goodness should flow and follow you all the days of your life. Why? Because that's what the Word of God said about you. 
So he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does because that is the natural state of the believer. As we said last week, God has blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's nothing you're missing. There's nothing you're lacking. You've been blessed with it all. Look into the word of God and discover what he has blessed you with. And then if it doesn't line up with how you've been living and how you've been seeing, change how you live and change how you see. His word is truth. And the perfect law of liberty is perfect because it leads us to the royal law of love, which we spent the whole service on last week talking about. So let's get back to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 15. How's everybody doing? We're going to move this morning. We got a lot of things to cover. I was hoping to be done this series this week, but I think we still got another two weeks left. So 1 John chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. This verse is talking about salvation. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 10? He said that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so the definition we've been using of, of law is that they are a statement of fact, observable in the word, that when certain phenomenon are present, certain things always happen. And we talked about the first prerequisite for the phenomenon of God's laws to be operating in your life is salvation. You've stepped out of the kingdom of darkness and stepped into the kingdom of His Son. And every kingdom has its own laws, and those are the laws of God. They are the ones we follow. So, John starts with salvation, and he says, And we have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. We have known and we've believed the love that God has for us. He didn't just know it, he's also believed it. There are things that you know that you probably don't actually believe. Things that you've probably heard me say that inside of you, you went, ah, I don't know about that. I have, that's not been my experience. Which is it going to be? What the Word of God has said or what you have said? He said, we have known and we've believed the love that God has for us. Not that He might have or that if you've been good enough, He'll turn His love towards you. No, He says we've known and we've believed the love that God has for us. It is something He has for you. It's not something you have to earn. It's not something you have to deserve before He turns your way. When you were still a sinner, when you were still amongst the Word, it said that He died for you. On your worst day, He let His love shine upon you. Because God is love, He can't turn off the tap. It is what He is. And He who abides in love, abides in God, and God in Him. And love has been perfected among us in this, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. As He is, so are we. You want to know what you look like? Look at Jesus. Because as he is, so are we. Not in heaven, not in the sweet by and by, right now. And it says so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. So much of Christianity is all about God's going to judge his church. He's already done that on the back of Jesus. 
And you can have boldness in the day of judgment because when you've been declared innocent by the blood of Jesus, there's nothing to be concerned about. There's nothing to be afraid about when the verdict's already been innocent because of what Jesus did. That's why you can have boldness. That's why you can have confidence. And you can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain help in your time of need. Because he's already said, you're innocent, you're loved, come on, have a seat, let's have a party together. Love has been perfected among us. And there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, which means God doesn't involve torment. God doesn't involve torment. God doesn't use things to teach you, to punish you. He has no torment to give you. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When fear begins to rise up on the inside of us and we're afraid and we're not sure what to do and it seems like the world is closing in on us, step out of this world and into the world you were meant to live in. The one that is filled with perfect love. And as you put your eyes back on him, remember how he's blessed you, what he's done for you, that fear can't help but just go, hmm. Come on. It's not a surprise to see that as the world has stepped away from God, depression and anxiety and worry have gone through the roof. Because in the absence of God, there's no solution to them. Magnify God and all your fears, worries, and anxieties will begin to minimize. Whatever you magnify in your life, you will gravitate towards. Come on. So many people saying, oh, my anxieties and my worries. Stop personifying them and taking hold of them. They're not yours. They're just worry. They're anxieties. Kick them out the door. You're not welcome. You're not present in my life, and I will not focus on you. I will not pull out the magnifying glass and say, well, what can I see about them today? The reason why people are finding more and more is because they're looking for them every day. Look for God. He will be found. And it says, we love Him because He first loved us. And so, to sum up the royal law of love, we can often make about it as how much we need to love others. That happens when you receive God's love. You spend time in His love, it rubs off. Just like when your kids are with you, your behaviors rub off on them, for better or worse. Come on. You know, just the other day, Harrison said something to rob him. And I was like, hey, don't you say that to your mother. And he was like, well, you do. I'm like, yes, but you're not me. (laughs) You watch your mouth. (laughs) It rubs off whether you like it or not. Spend time with the Father who is love, and it just begins to flow out of you. He's poured it into your heart by the Holy Spirit. And so the royal law, according to James in chapter 2, verse 8, says, the royal law, according to the scripture, you'll love your neighbor as yourself, and you do well. Why do you love your neighbor? Because God loves him. And God's love is flowing to you and through you and can't help but spill over onto them. Amen? Okay. Let's start moving on to law number four this morning. If we move one chapter forward from where we were in John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, and in 1 John 5, verse 1, give you a second to turn there if you're turning. I'll grab some water. 
You doing all right? We've got a lot of mileage still to cover this morning, so here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it starts off with that salvation statement again. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So if you've believed, you've confessed, you are born of God. And it says, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. There's a chain there. You receive the love of God, you return the love of God, and then you spill out over the love of God. You love God, you will have no problem loving other people because the ability, your ability to love God is not based upon your ability, but His ability to love you. And it says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we have commandments. And it says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The message translation says, come, come get away with me, and you'll learn to flow in the unforced rhythms of grace. And so when we make it about, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, it's not I got this, it's a, I just do this because it's who I am. It's because of what's inside of me, because of what's inside of him, and he's in me. Okay? We said that to get here. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Can I stop and say that again? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God? Your natural state is to overcome the world. Whatever the problem is, you win. You overcome because you're born of God. Well, I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, shut up and stop saying that. I overcome. I am an overcomer. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you look at it and you're saying, well, I just don't all overcome very often, how about you exercise some faith? Because to the ability that you're willing to use it is the the extent to which you will overcome. It doesn't say this is the victory that has overcome the world, Jesus. He said, no, our faith. Your ability to overcome in the here and now and in the trials of this life is based on your faith. Come on. Don't tell me that, Pastor Jordan. You mean I got to actually do something? Yeah, you got to believe Jesus. His word is truth. And if he said it's a statement of fact, you better consider it that way and place your faith in it and act like it's true because it is. Come on, I'll try and be a little more gentle. It says, He, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He came and died for you so that you can live unto God forevermore? Do you believe that? Then we're talking about you. This is the lifestyle of should be for all Christians everywhere. It's not an exclusive club. It's available to all Christians. So who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, 
And when we were talking about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, we looked at uh, Romans 6, 7, and 8, and a little bit into 9. And I told you when we did that week that you should probably do for your homework, read all the way from chapter 3 to chapter 9, because it's one conversation. It's all one long thought. And so if you actually did your homework, you should know where we're going right now. In Romans chapter 3, we go back in verse 19, and it says, Now... We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. This is talking about the Mosaic law. Are you under the Mosaic law? Everyone say, no, I'm under the law of the spirit of life. It's made me free from the law of sin and death. So whatever the law is talking about, it's not talking about to you. Because whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. And that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. I'm no longer guilty before God because the love of Jesus, the blood of Jesus has spoken. And it says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. If you're planning on getting yourself into a good position with God by how you act and how you live, go ahead and read this verse again. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith. Everyone say, through faith. faith. In Jesus Christ. Righteousness comes by faith, not your actions. We've said that so much in this series already. And it says, and it's to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference. It sits on you and it flows to you when you believe. And it says, for all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody needs Jesus. And that's one of the things you run into a lot these days when you're you're sharing the love of God. And people say, well, I think I'm a pretty good person. Not good enough. There was only one. His name was Jesus. Only way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation or a substitution by His blood through faith. Everyone say, through faith. faith. To demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Isn't that so good that he passed right over them? He didn't even bother looking at them. He just went right over and said, here, Jesus, pour out your blood. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, we've set all that to get here to law number four that we want to cover. Law number four in Romans 3.27 says, Where is the boasting then? It's excluded. There's nothing for you to boast about how good you've been or what you've done. It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Everyone say the law of faith. Law of faith. Faith 
is a law of the kingdom. It is a law in which is flowing for you to use. It is a law in which you are bound to. You can either choose to believe it or you can choose not to believe it. But the law of faith governs the kingdom of God. And so we're going to have to spend some time talking about faith because I believe more and more it's getting diluted down that people kind of think, well, I believe in Jesus well, there's more to it. Do you believe he's healed you? Do you believe he's set you free from addictions? Do you believe he's healed your body, prospered you in all things? Come on, there's more ways to apply faith than just going to heaven. Why wait for heaven to be good? Come on, you can have a good life right now here on earth by faith. And I've heard lots of people when preaching on faith, they talk about, they say, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. I don't agree with that. And there's a reason why I don't agree with that, and I want to explain that out today. Currency, when we look at faith that way, we think, well, I've got to go and get it. I've got to earn it. I've got to go out and work. That's how we view money, right? I go work, I get money, so then I can buy things. You don't need to go earn anything. He's given you faith. Romans 12, 2 says he's given you the measure of faith. You've got all the faith you need. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 2, it's not even your faith. The faith you use is Jesus' faith. And so you don't need to go and earn currency. He's already given it to you. And then to take currency and go and buy something that you need, you don't need to buy anything. Peter told us in 2 Peter 1, 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory. So if he's provided all things that pertain to life and godliness, why do you need to go and buy it? Come on, you were the one that was bought with a price. You don't need to go buy something. You've already been bought. You were the pearl of great price in Jesus' parable. You were the treasure that was head in the field that the man went and sold all that he had so that he could get it. You are the precious treasure that Jesus wanted. And so we don't need to get currency to go and buy things of the kingdom. We already have them. As that same verse in the Bible says, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic life and godliness. You already got it. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Why? Because he's provided everything you need. You just got to believe him. You got to receive by faith. And so if he's given you everything you need, faith is the issue. It's either you use it or you don't. Jesus said that to his disciples when they were out on the sea. The storm came up and they're all going, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. And he's sleeping. And he gets up and he says, peace, be still. And he says to them, how is it you have no faith? The literal translation of what he said is, how is you having faith use none? Why don't you believe? Haven't you seen what we've already done here, guys? That's what he was saying to them. Jesus feeds the 5,000 the first time. He brings, he breaks the loaves and the fishes and he does it. The second time he says to his disciples, You feed them. He expected that their faith would do the same thing that his faith did. Come on. So it's not a a matter of you needing faith. 
It's a matter of you using faith. God, if you told me to feed them, I'll feed them because I can do it, because you provided, you did it, you said it, it's true. And so faith, the only way that it's like currency is that it gives you access to the things of kingdom of God that have already been provided to you. It's the card that opens up every door in the kingdom of God. Come on. I remember Jim Hockaday talking about a vision that he had when he was, God took him up into heaven. And he said there were storehouses and rooms of like limbs and organs just sitting there for the sick that God had already provided for them. I remember Joe Morris, Sam, he was in a meeting a number of years ago. And as he was sit preaching, his eyes were open and he watched an angel walk in the back of the room and he had a heart in his hand. And he just walked up to a guy and just whoo, shoved the heart right into his chest. And as he saw the angel do that, the guy went... <gasps> And it was all of a sudden like everything that had been congested and blocked in his heart and he was in heart failure all of a sudden just disappeared. And he was like, something just happened as this angel just shoved it. God's already got what you need. Believe that you have it in you. Because he said, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So faith gives you access to the things of the kingdom of God that he has already provided for you. You don't need to earn it. You don't have to buy it. It's already there waiting for you to say, God, I receive it by faith right now. As in Mark chapter 12, or Mark chapter 11, it says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Come on. So faith gives you access into the things of the kingdom. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Come on. Verse 2, I'm just going to work on your counting skills for a second. Does verse 2 come after 1? One already talked about your salvation, which means two's talking about something that happens afterwards. That the same way you accessed grace for salvation, you have access by faith today for everything else God has provided for you. Yes. We have access. I've always been a little more partial to the way the New American Standard Bible says it, though. It says, through whom... We also have obtained our introduction by faith to the grace in which we stand. Our introduction. Why do I like it that, that way better? Because salvation was your introduction. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Jordan. Nice to meet you. I'm Chris. Nice to meet you, Chris. <laughs> That's an introduction. Now, from that moment on, you get to decide what happens in that relationship, right? We can part ways and never talk again. And that relationship doesn't grow, right? The depths of a relationship depends upon the time spent. And so if grace at salvation was an introduction, how's your relationship with grace and faith going now? Have you fostered it? Come on, Paul said to the Colossians, as you have begun, so continue in. If you access grace by faith at salvation, so continue in. What is it you need right now? This is the victory that overcomes the world. What was it? Our faith. Too many people are waiting for Jesus to move their mountain. Yeah. 
He didn't say he was going to move your mountain. He said, you speak to the mountain and commanded to get in the sea. Stop waiting for Jesus to do something he already did. And he's given you faith to access it. Well, I don't know about this, Pastor Jordan. Well, maybe we should look at an example that we're told we're like. You ready for that this morning? How about you guys watching online? You still with us? You're awake? If we jump over to Galatians chapter 3 and in verse 6, and I'm going to be reading out of the the Passion Translation this morning. He begins to talk about Abraham, who they call the father of faith. And here's what it says in verse 6 of chapter 3. Abraham, our father of faith, led the way as our pioneering example. He led the way as an example for you. He believed God, and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. He believed God, and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. Now, you can say here, well, Pastor Jordan, you're talking about using your faith to change things here in this world right now, Abraham was talking about spiritual things. Righteousness is a spiritual thing. Yes, it is. But how did Abraham release his faith? What was that story about? God said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And he believed God and had that son when he was an old, old man. That's pretty physical realm to me if I don't think about it, right? Come on. Not just talking about spiritual, airy-fairy things. Why do people always leave it, oh, yes, that's in heaven, or that's spiritual? Because they want to abdicate their responsibility to be able to change their life now. You know, we just have to be honest. Most people like their problems. They like their wine, but they like their victory. And I'm not talking about their red wine. I'm talking about their... Come on. Can we just be a little real? Most people like their problems too much. If their problems were gone, they'd have nothing to talk about with other people. People who find something to complain about about everything. I've used this example for several years now. It was uh, probably about seven, eight years ago. I was in the gas station just over here. I went in to pick something up. I don't even remember what it is now. And I was in line behind some people. Most beautiful day of fall that you could imagine. Sun was shining. It was warm, warm. I love fall. Warm days, cool nights. It was like you couldn't picture a better fall day. And so I I come into line and I'm waiting to get up to the cashier and there's several people in front of me and the two ladies in front of me, they they were older and they began to have a conversation with each other. They were like kind of acquainted. They were not like they were friends. And uh, they're just like, oh, how are things going? She's like, well, you know, things aren't looking good. Winter's almost here. I'm like, most beautiful day of fall, and you're thinking about winter? Oh, yeah, I hear it's going to be a cold, cold, cold one this year. And then the other lady says to her, she's like, yeah, I just don't think I'm going to survive this winter. <laughs> Come on. Most beautiful day of fall you could imagine, and you're thinking about everything that's going to go wrong in winter? Come on, where's the point in dwelling on that? 
okay, I can use that as a simple example. Where's the point in dwelling on how sick you've been? Start dwelling on the life of God to your body because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Stop whining and start reigning. Come on. And so Abraham, our father of faith, he led the way as our pioneering example. And what did he do? God changed his name. So he began to say, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations when he ain't had no son. He's not the father of anyone. But he changed what was on his lips. And he changed what was in his life. So those who are the true children of Abraham will have the same faith as their father in the same way that applies to us. And it says God's plan all along was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. And long ago, God prophesied over Abraham, as the Holy Scriptures say, through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. Through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. And so the blessing of Abraham's faith is now our blessing too. Come on. And so find our way back to Romans. We read chapter 3, verse four, chapter 4, verse 1 says, So what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by his works... Come on, turn. Let's go. If Abraham was justified by his works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. God don't care about your boasting. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we can drop down to verse 16, which says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise can be sure to all seed. Not only those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. God made it by faith so that whoever chooses to believe can access it surely. Didn't say will access, but can access. A man gets what he believes because we are under the law of faith. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love that has been shed abroad into our hearts. We thank you for the goodness of God that is flowing to us right now. We thank you, Lord, that the law of the spirit of life is at work in our bodies right now. It's speaking life to them right now. It's speaking life and health to my flesh. Lord, we thank you that your words are life. Your words are health that I choose to be alive unto God, that you sent your word and you healed each and every one of us. And I thank you, Lord, that we can access that by faith. And so this morning, if you need someone to pray with you, agree with you, believe with you, get just stir you up in faith, you can come on up and see our word care team who's going to be right up here at the front. They would love to believe with you. They would love to agree with you. The Bible says that if two or three of you agree as touching anything on this earth, it shall be done by, for them by the Father which is in heaven. It doesn't say have someone pray for you. It has something agree with you. Believe together. And so they would love to do that. Pastor Robin, why don't you wrap us up this morning?
you know, I, we need to keep this all in perspective when we're talking about laws because when you think about things, police, judge, court, all that stuff, you know, the bad stuff. Well, these are the laws, spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Are yes. Laws. Amen. 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 They are the structure of the kingdom. And the structure of the kingdom will just bring you benefits. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, one of the benefits is we can give. Amen. Mm. And so, if you're ready to give, we have a confession we're going to do. And let's say this together. This is my seed. I sow it in the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best. Well, I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. In his abundance, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, it's all abundance anyway, amen. Glory be to God. Well, we are blessed. Overly abundantly blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. Amen.